this is Danielle Houston. I'm a benefits advisor at Propel Insurance, and you're listening to my podcast, The Checkup. On The Checkup, we get to talk about all sorts of things that are impacting employee benefits and health insurance. And if you are in Washington State, you have, at least I hope you have, heard about Washington Paid Family Leave. It is coming, and that is what we are going to be discussing in this series. We're going to break this up into three different sections because it is a meaty topic with many layers, and I know many of you have had lots of questions, and we're going to try to work those into the conversation today. I can't do this by myself. I'm learning this along with all of you, of course. So I've invited Marjorie Robertson. She is an attorney with Sun Life, who is one of our preferred carriers here at Propel Insurance. They write stop loss insurance, life insurance, disability. And so this area in particular is one that they are very familiar with. They've worked in some other states with this benefit as well. So we have an expert in Marjorie. Welcome, Marjorie. Thank you. Thank Welcome you Welcome to much. Washington. <laughs> it's rainy. Yes. It's like this every day. Don't move here. Just, just come and enjoy. <laughs> Anyone who lives here, you know, will tell you, right. you know, the traffic and the rain here is terrible. <laughs> but no, we love our visitors. And I'm glad that you could be here in person and do this yes. too. And you're going to be sharing this knowledge with all of our teams because it is it's this new thing that we are all learning about and working to be experts for the people who rely on us. Exactly. So tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. I've been at Sun Life for uh, too many years. Too many. To admit. <laughs> Don't do um, it. I was originally their employment attorney, and that's really all I did for many years. For about five years now, I've been more involved in the absence management services that we provide. I go around and talk to brokers a lot and do presentations for HR, for prospects, for brokers. It's great because I have the opportunity to take my background, which is HR is my client at Sun Life. So I know what HR needs and wants, and I'm able to use that in the business. It is very helpful when someone understands the language and the many directions that HR is pulled. And I will say that, you know, for some content that I think a lot of people have a really hard time reading through it or even listening, you do a really great job of (laughs) livening it up and speaking to us in a way that we can understand this. We we can do this. I try to make it fun, hopefully funny sometimes. Yeah. So. Well, we got to make something funny out of this. <laughs> yeah. I haven't found much funny here yet, but I'm working on it. So. Yeah. Yeah. The more we peel this back, it's kind of hard to, to find out really where is the benefit? Right. What does this really mean? So that's where we're going to start today. Let's start with how do we get here? And like I mentioned, when I started this off, we're going to break this up into some manageable bites right. here. Episode one, let's talk about how we got to what we are today. What does Washington Family Leave actually mean? So let's start with how did it come about here in Washington State? Washington had a paid family leave law back to 2007, but there was no funding mechanism that was created. So it was just the law was sitting on the books and nothing was happening with it. There are other states that have similar laws. Washington has the honor of having the first paid family and medical leave act, where that's the actual name of it. Okay. The historic approach to it was that a number of states, California, Hawaii, New York, New Jersey, Rhode Island, adopted statutory disability laws in the 40s. 
And those were around for years. And then in the mid 2000s to the early teens, those states started adopting paid family leave benefits that they kind of added on to the statutory disability. But the trend that is happening throughout the country, and you hear it in elections, I'm actually following the upcoming elections, and all the Democratic candidates are talking about paid family leave. That is a hot topic. New York came first in terms of adopting a job-protected paid family leave, but Washington was right behind it. And so they will be going live with their, we're going to talk a lot about it, job protected leave to care for your own, if you have an illness, to take care of yourself or to take care of family members who are ill or to bond with a new child. Massachusetts, where I'm from, we just adopted a paid family and medical leave law as well. And it goes live shortly after the Washington one does. I anticipate that there are going to be many states adopting these and the federal government is also looking into it and we've actually been down to lobby Washington to meet with some senators there to try to advocate for a federal solution which we think would be easier for employers. Probably because right now one of the challenges many of our clients have is if you have employees in California if you have them on the east coast I mean you're doing different things for different people and it's a lot to keep track of. Right it's patchwork. Yeah. It's a really exciting area. It is very cutting edge. Mm-hmm. I, your governor has been bragging about what a great benefit this is for the state. And I think, didn't you just get nominated as the best state to live in, work in, in some study? I can't remember. There maybe it was a magazine that came out. Yeah. Your governor has been quoted as saying, well, this is one of the reasons this Washington paid family medical leave law. I think that one of the things that we have such advantage of here in Washington is that our economy has been strong. Right. You know, even when we took some hits in 2008, it wasn't to the detriment of so many other places and you look around Seattle, there's lots of cranes, there's lots of building, there are more jobs than people to fill them. Paid family leave, I think that people in Washington feel really weary about more taxes in general. From our seat and likely from yours as well, one of the hard things that we see happen is if employers maybe don't offer a short-term or a long-term disability plan, you know, if people don't have 500 or or $1,000 saved, they definitely don't have anything saved to help them if they break their leg right. and they can't work for six weeks. And so obviously, I mean, I think the state is stepping in to help create some financial protections that people right. aren't doing for themselves. Right. right. Do you think it's safe to say that, so Washington may have had the law on the books first, but we haven't been first in pushing the benefit out So do you think that Washington is looking at some of these other states that maybe started to pay benefits out to kind of learn maybe what we should and shouldn't do when we actually start? I think that they are. I know we actually, I've organized a group of insurance carriers and we've reached out to the Washington Employment Security Department. They're charged with enforcing the law. Yes. And they are certainly trying to get on top of this, but they're they're newcomers to this and i think they are reaching out to other states the washington program is different 
because the disability in the other states it's statutory disability and you have to be totally disabled and out for a certain period of time i think the thing that's going to be very cutting edge for washington is the intermittent leave if you can be out for your own illness for eight hours you can take one day off and get a benefit that can be very hard to administer yeah new york paid family leave is like that as well. For the paid family leave, you can get one day off and get a benefit. And they were the first to really go forward with that job-protected intermittent benefit. So Washington can look to other states, but they're kind of paving the way. I've already encouraged Massachusetts to talk to Washington because <laughs> we're following you. So well, I don't know. If you say we're going to pave the way for this, that actually makes my stomach hurt a little bit because that means, like, who wants to go first? Not with something like this, right? Right. Yeah. But somebody has to go first, and it right. looks like we're going to. One of the things that I think is a positive from the standpoint of being responsible is that the payroll tax collection itself right. is going to start January 2019. Exactly. But the actual benefit would not start until January right. 2020. Purpose being, they see the need to build that reserve. Right. They need right. to have a pot to pull money from. So I see that collection process of being like promising and being fiscally responsible. Yes. So let's talk about that payroll tax. Yes. What is it? Does it have its limits? Yes. So the leaves actually are pretty much not completely employee funded, but substantially employee funded. So the rate has been set for 2019 of 0.4% of gross wages. And so employers are responsible for collecting that. They've divided the premium one third to the paid family leave and two-thirds to the paid medical leave. Okay. The employees have to pay for all of the paid family leave portion, and employers can charge employees up to 45% for the paid medical leave portion. So there, I actually had a page in here, since I'm doing a presentation for you soon, that shows, yeah. of course I can't find it now when I'm looking for it, that shows the breakdown if you assume yeah, and we can make yeah, we can make this available too. I think Absolutely. at least for some of yes. these for yes. for clients. Who want to look and at this them. chart that I have, so the Washington Employment Security Division. I just want to sort of speak for them. They have a really great website, and some of this information is available on their website. And they also do webinars for employers, and they'll take questions. And they're they're very friendly. We're okay. used to actually dealing with. East Coast, less friendly, (laughs) less friendly government officials. So I I have been very impressed at how willing they are to talk. But they produced a great chart that shows how the premium flows. And essentially, if an employee has $2,000 of gross wages, the total amount of the premium is going to be $8. So I think that if people can keep it in perspective, that it's it's not a huge deduction from anybody's pay. And then it gets broken out, the $8 gets broken out between the family leave, the medical leave, and the portion that is the employer portion and the portion that is the employee portion. And essentially what it comes down to is out of that $8, the employee would pay about $5 of it, and the employer would be responsible for paying about $3 of it. 
Okay. So, and there are some lines, some distinctions between employers, right? If you're yes. under 50, yes. talk about how it works if you're under 50 sure. versus over. If you are under 50, then you do not have to contribute the employer portion of the premium. It can be totally employee. So it's all employee paid. Okay. If you are between, and if you choose to pay the employer portion, there is some state assistance that's available. For employers between 50 and 150, they have to pay the employer portion, but they also have access to that small business assistance, which can be up to $3,000. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it's something like $3,000 per right. Yeah, Yeah. Right. Right. And, and it's probably worth noting here at this point, too, that a lot of these things, like we have questions and we have HR right. people that have had questions that we don't have answers yet. Right. I mean, there will probably need to be a 2.0 version podcast that yes. talks about some of the other rules look like after the state clarifies. Right. And things. just on that point, the Washington ESED is doing the rules in phases. And so they've done phase one, they have the final rules out, but I think there are five phases altogether. Okay. And that is why if you're interested, it's helpful to just, you get notices from the website if you sign up of what's happening with the phase in the rulemaking. Yeah. So, and I do think that's important because the other big thing here to know, I have talked with some who think that because they're under 50, this does not apply to right. them. And I think this is really important to know right. that it does not matter if you have two employees exactly. or 500. Right. This applies to you. Yes. So you have to be ready to start collecting the premium and reporting on it right. come January. Which and allowing the leaves. Yeah. And dealing with the job protection permit. But you don't have to deal with the leaves and the job protections until if 2020, right? True. And if you're under 50, actually, you don't, there is no job protection. Okay, so that is good. So right. they're, they're a good lease definition here. Right. If you're over 50, you're accustomed, hopefully, to FMLA right. <laughs> and, and what that requires you right, yes. to do. Much of this paid leave and that time is really going to align and mirror to those FMLA yes. practices that you already have in place. Yeah. So even the smaller employers are not completely out of the woods. Okay. Um, the job may not be protected, but an employee could say, well, you, you fired me because I took the leave. So employers will need to be careful because of, because yeah. of that. Okay, so the payroll tax is 0.4%. Yes. Is there a maximum to what can be yes, collected? Yes, the socials, it's 0.4% up to the Social Security maximum, which I can't remember what it is yeah, this I'm year. Not it changes sure. every year. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure what that number is. Might be 72,000. Does that ring a bell? I, I think it's somewhere in that vicinity. So. I, I, I do look at my payroll stubs on occasion, <laughs> but I'm one of those people too. Ever since we all have moved into this automatic deposit thing, I, I probably should pay a little better attention. <laughs> but, which leads me to this question. Do you think that people will notice this payroll tax? Because I don't think that a lot of people, you know, like employees that we talk right. to have any idea this is right. happening. I think it's a small enough amount that certainly the middle and higher income employees are not going to notice it. The mm-hmm. lower income may. I mean, they're probably more sensitive to the small changes, right, in their paychecks. Yeah. yeah. But it is one interesting aspect of it is that it is such a small amount. 
Mm -hmm. comes out that I think is going to make it more politically acceptable. Won't hurt quite as much as some of the other things. In relation to that, you've got the 0.4% payroll tax that caps at the Social Security max, whatever that number tallies out to be. Can you talk a little bit then about how the benefit amounts would be calculated? This is a new trend in these laws, and Washington was the first one to adopt it. Massachusetts has followed suit. The lower the income, the higher the benefit. So in Washington, employees get up to 90% of their wages until they reach 50% of the statewide average weekly wage. I have it written down. Yeah, that could be, that could get kind of tricky, I would think, as far as explaining (laughs) to an employee how that is going to work, what that calculation and benefit would look like. Yeah, so it's 90%, and then once they reach 50% of the average weekly wage, it is 50% of the wages above that. Okay. Until you meet a maximum benefit of a thousand, I am looking oh, a for a maximum benefit of a thousand. A thousand a week, right? And a thousand is that the maximum benefit for anyone? Yes. So no matter what you're paying into the copper, though, right? That's right. Your maximum. Right. So it maxes out once you reach a certain income level. Okay. Interesting. There's a lot of questions about the technicality pieces, too, of how these benefits will pay out. If Mm -hmm. Employment Security is going to be the department that oversees this, is it going to be the same arm that processes workers' comp claims and Social Security that's going to be, or not Social Security, but um, unemployment? Is it going to be the same kind of administrators that are doing that that are going to do this benefit? No, I think they're creating an entirely new sort of bureau. Interesting. Okay. At least the the people that we have, we've been talking to people who are working on it and they seem to be new. I don't know if they're new to the government, but don't seem to have a specialty in workers' comp. They don't seem to be handling workers' comp too. They are focused on this exclusively. Okay. So in Massachusetts, actually, we're creating a whole new agency, which is at least in Washington, you have a framework of an agency, but you're still going to need people who develop people the and specialty. systems. Exactly. And exactly. That. A claims, an entire way of dealing with claims. That was an interesting thing when we were on the call with Washington. They really didn't understand claims administration. So we as carriers have tried to say, look, we can help you. You know, yeah. look to us and we'll use our expertise to help you. Yeah. I hope they listen, and if someone (laughs) happens to listen to this podcast, please, please take the carriers up on this. You know, we've got some very real examples in Washington State, even looking back to when the exchange was built in Washington, building it from the ground up and not leaning into some of these systems that are tried and true and people that know how to do it and do it really, really well. Right. Starting from scratch, it was a real bumpy ride and it did not have to be. Right. It really didn't have to be. And we probably could have done it for a fraction of the cost. But that's a totally different topic. (laughs) I'll try not to get up on that soapbox too high. 
This gives us some good kind of framework of how we got to Washington paid family leave. You mentioned, and actually this is one of your slides, this is just the tip of the iceberg. We have these states that have already done something kind of like it or are talking about doing something like it. There's a lot of conversation at the federal level. It's going to be a hot topic in the next election cycle. Do you think they're going to get off the train on health insurance in the next election cycle? I don't know. what. I mean, it's so hard to predict. Yeah. Depends on the blue wave. And what I see happening with the paid family and medical leave laws is that even if the federal government doesn't tackle it, you're going to have more and more states following Washington, following Massachusetts. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you've got some states here, Colorado, Connecticut, Georgia, Illinois, Nebraska, not all states that I would think of as blue. Not all blue states. Yeah. No, it's interesting. I even think there was a bill in Mississippi to some degree for some type of paid family leave program. It's an issue that is more bipartisan than many employee benefit type issues. Yeah. So interesting. Well, on that note, let's go ahead and wrap episode one. And we hope that you'll stick around or come back to listen to part two. And we're going to really talk about the employee experience, what that experience is going to be projected to look like with Washington paid family leave when it wraps up. So we uh, thank you for joining on to episode one and look forward to talking with you in the next one.